Welcome back to yet another beautiful episode of Legally Judgy. I'm Alexa. And I'm Nicole. All right, Nicole. What you been up to this week, girl? Pondering what life will be like when the pandemic is over. Pondering. Pondering. How philosophical of you. Pontificating. Tell me, what hath thou... Okay, stop. So, went out for margaritas last night with the hubby. Sounds really deep. Yeah, to see, shut up, to see one of our friends um, for his birthday. And as I was there, I just started thinking and quickly getting anxious about the thought of being in a club ever again. Mm, the club. The club. As much as I love to go out and party, I just don't see a point in the near future in which I feel comfortable taking off my mask and being in a room with a bunch of sweaty people, like mm-hmm. two inches from your face. Mm-hmm. Um, That's real. It just, the thought of it just stresses me out and disgusts me all at once. Like, how did we ever do that? That is true. I This has really shed light on the fact that I thought I was a hygienic person before. And we were nasty as fuck. But the concept of clubs, right? You got, you got sweat, you got breath going on we were all dirty in the club right you like share drinks but in a, a couple shots you're like strangers like give me a sip of your you know tequila sunrise that i'm gonna lick like a, this out of your face sounds like a great idea disgusting yeah. we were animals and i don't think i can ever do it again i think let me take that back i think there will be one night where i'm so energized by the world being back open that i'll be game for all of the socialization mm-hmm. and i think after that day is over it's gonna be game stop for me i GameStop. Speaking of GameStop, go listen to our episode on GameStop. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, but I I also hope that we have more like open air, at least hybrid open air, closed, enclosed like club situations. Like I also love when clubs had like an outdoor patio in the back so right. you can kind of take a breather, right? I mean, that works in LA, but if you live in places like New York, that just, you know, okay. there's nine months of the year where it's mm-hmm. gloomy and miserable and cold. And so you're just in there sweaty. Come visit L.A. Catching. T- tourism for catching L.A. Catching the Roro. Catching. <laughs> I don't know. What's going on with you? The Rona is. Um, all right. I have to tell you another secret. I feel like this is where I tell my deepest, darkest <laughs> okay. secrets. Can you keep a secret? Duh, naturally. Producer Marge, can you keep a secret? I know you don't have a mic. I know you don't really speak. She but nodded. if you could just give me a nod. She nodded. It was consensual. All right. This stays between the three of us. I think my wife might kill me one day. Why would you do this time? No, I did nothing. I'm a freaking angel. We've been through this. So my wife is obsessed with murder documentaries, okay. murder shows, mm-hmm. murder podcasts. Mm-hmm. I touched a little bit about this before on the Richard Ramirez um, intro that I talked about. Mm-hmm. But this, this woman of mine, it's, look, I get it. If you're into like true crime, sure intriguing stuff yep the other day she comes up and says she wants to take a little nappy nap right she's tired i'm like okay cool i'm working at the desk in the living room Mm -hmm. we're in an apartment so my desk and my office is three feet away from the couch (laughs) right so i'm like cool so she always falls asleep to something she has to she's one of those kinds of sleepers uh she puts on a murder documentary and she Falls asleep probably within two minutes. Yeah, I get that. I look. There's a fucking smile on her face as she's sleeping, right? <laughs> I don't do that. I'm working away. The The narrator is like, and then he stabbed nine times. She is fast asleep. I'm, I'm scared now, by the way, because she's left this on for me to hear in the background. And I'm becoming more and more fearful, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she wakes up and I'm like, hey, so how was that nap? She's like, fantastic. Perfect. I feel rejuvenated. 10 out of 10. Yeah. I feel fucking great. And I'm like, do you? Because I don't. Right? 
And then she goes on and tells me a little bit later, separate, separate time, right? I really love that show Snapped. Oh, great show. Okay. Great show. For anyone, Snapped is about women who one day snap. And kill their spouses. And kill their spouses. Yep. So I feel <laughs> like I need to tell some people because she... if something happens to me. Yeah. Okay. So producer Marge, Nicole, I'm telling you to, if I go missing, look into my wife. Well, so here's the thing. Two, Love you, sweetie. T- two points. So one, well, no, three points. So one, the voices in murder shows are so monotone and relaxing that it's really easy to fall into. So you're telling me this is a meditation app. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> they're just, they're so stale and flat that it's so easy to like lull yourself to sleep. That's point one. Okay. Point two is that she may or may not be collecting tips from these shows and learning lessons. Like, damn, that dumb bitch left the knife out. Of course she did it. The last one is that I love your wife, so I'm just going to leave random notes around your house that say, if anything happens, Alexa did it. Wow. Yeah, I'm on her side. I'm sorry. You met me first. You only know my wife because of me. You and I talk 24-7. Okay, what's your point? Is there no loyalty? We talk about loyalty all the time. Hmm. I'm loyal. I'm as loyal as El Chapo's wife was, but I just happen to be loyal to your wife. Okay, that's fantastic. I'm so glad that we're co-hosts on this podcast. Well, you know, we made it here, Fucking and we've got disrespect. we've got more murder, but this time we're going to stay awake for the murder. This time, we're or at stay least awake. I'll stay awake. I don't know if your wife will. And this time, I think my wife would get away with the murder. But All let's right. let's dive in. Let's do today's murder. So the poor victim of this story, because I'm relating now to this poor victim, uh, Maurizio Gucci. Uh, we just have so much in common. He was the heir of the luxury fashion house. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's called Gucci. Small um, one. Mm-hmm. After his father dies, um, and a few legal battles, I should say. It wasn't just the death. He also had to fight his way uh, through that fun time. So brief background on the company Gucci. It was founded in Florence, Italy in 1921-1922. Seeing different reports about it. But by Maurizio's grandfather, Guccio Gucci. I am obsessed with this name. (laughs) Truly obsessed. Can you imagine? smile on your face right now. Your child is born and you're like, hmm, Guccio. Yeah. And your last name is already Gucci. <laughs> yeah. They're like, last name Gucci. Hmm. What would go well with it? I know. Let's just add an O to the end. That is perfect. Um, yeah. So our boy Gucci Gucci. He is actually the founder of Gucci, the grandfather of the star of our show, Maurizio Gucci. But it started out as a satellite shop and it continued to grow into luxury goods as we know it. So uh, Gucci dies in 1953. Um And by a lot of different reports, there's some, you know, ambiguity in them. But he leaves his ownership in the company essentially to three of his five sons, Aldo, Vasco, and Rodolfo. Love it. Rodolfo is Maurizio's dad. We'll talk over this. I also have to note, he had a daughter, but apparently she got absolutely nothing. I mean, 1953, women's rights were not quite a priority at that point in time. (laughs) Silly women, right? Uh, So the three sons really take ownership um, of the company. But Vasco, he ends up dying in 1974. So really, it's Aldo and Rodolfo who get interest in the company 50-50. And it's worth noting that I think Aldo was the oldest. He was kind of the businessman out of the bunch. Um, And he's really the one that leads the expansion of Gucci Gucci outside of Italy, um, which his father was resistant to do. He wanted to really just stick to his roots. Um, And Vasco and Rodolfo, they were the creative production types. Well, so I think that they, from that, I mean, there was this combination of creative and business, and so I know that they started to license the brand out in the 1970s, 
Um, and that's how they really started to get a lot of money because obviously people had to pay license fees to use the Gucci logo and name and all of that. Um, but as a result of all of that licensing, they kind of lost their exclusivity and some of the luxury appeal because it was everywhere. And, you know, as we now know, half of the allure of these luxury products is that it's contained and only available or purchasable by a really small population so it keeps it in demand and wanted Mm -hmm. um but then in the 1980s the family feud kind of starts to pick up and again because there's this competition between the creative and the business and everybody kind of has a different vision and so this family feud begins and they're all kind of vying for power and control of the company and in particular aldo's son paolo causes some problems and so he tries to launch his own brands using the Gucci name, but the other, I don't really know how that works, mind you, because it's truly just one company (laughs) and one name. Gucci part two. But so he tries to launch his own brands, but the other, some of the other family members from Gucci, including his own dad, um, end up filing multiple lawsuits against him. And in retaliation, Paolo rats out his dad for tax evasion, leading his dad to serve one year and one day in prison. What a father-son relationship have I ever heard of one? There, I was going to say, there's so many scripted TV shows about families vying for power. And mm-hmm. they're like, oh, this is like the original family vying for power, mm-hmm. right? You, can you imagine? So you're Paolo. I heard that he was more of a creative too. So his dad, Aldo, is the CEO. He's the business right, guy. The business so side. I feel like right. Paolo was like, daddy. This is, well, they're not British. I don't know. I can't do an Italian accent. But you know, daddy. I'm just going to go American on here. Stop looking at me like that. Okay. No, I was trying to figure out how to say... Whatever. I studied abroad in Italy. I was trying to remember how to Can say we dad. Do an accent? I can probably remember. Oh, it's fine. Let's yeah, I don't know on. any Italian. Okay, we, we tried. Look it. Sometimes we need a, to see if we can try something. Clearly, let's not try this work. anymore. Moving on. So he was more the creative. Tried to do it on his own. Didn't work. <laughs> Rats out his dad. It's insane. Uh, so in 1983, Rodolfo, the younger brother, right? So again, we have Aldo, the business guy. Rodolfo the creative guy, mm-hmm. Rodolfo dies, and his son, Maurizio, the guy we're talking about, um, assumes his dad's 50% interest in the Gucci company. Um, and there's not much of a grieving period if we're wondering how close Maurizio was with his good old uh, uncle Aldo. He sues. <laughs> uh, he sues to get uh, full control of the company and take his uncle Aldo out. Um, and it's worth noting that... Our- and you said that I'm disloyal. We're not even related. Look at this guy. Wow. <laughs> this is too much. Sorry. I'm go. just I'm just staring at you. I want I want the silence. Just the palpable tension. Yeah, because no one can see okay. how hurt I am. So I hope everyone listening knows that that silence was my my heart breaking. Wow. Um. So our boy Ruju, uh, Rudy Giuliani, is the one that that reps uh, <laughs> that reps Maurizio. How old is Rudy Giuliani? He's like truly ancient. I know that this is happening like in the 80s, but He's I just imagine him everyone. being like 150 years old, right? Oh my God. Well, okay. So in 1988, Maurizio, um, who clearly wants control of mm-hmm. Gucci and the whole family business, um, so he he basically wants his family out. And so he convinces them to sell their shares to this Bahrain investment group. Um, and this group also happens to own Tiffany's and Saks Fifth. So they're like well established in the them. fashion and the, you know, the financial scene. Um, but he wanted them to sell their 50% while Maurizio holds on to his own 50%. Mm. And so in 1993, he 
apparently gets a little dicey and slippery in his own business decisions. And so the company is on the verge of bankruptcy. And so he's clearly not being a great businessman anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And so some reports say that the business was losing millions of dollars per year and that Maurizio himself was in debt for about 40 million casual amount. Ouch. And so to basically get himself out of debt, he uses his Gucci shares as collateral. And so he sells the rest of his interest to that same Bahrain in, in, uh, investment group for between, I think it was like 120 to 200 million. Mm-hmm. So basically, just to summarize, this investment group now owns all of Gucci. None of the right. Gucci family owns any stake in it. Right. 1993, no more Gucci members. Um, and worth noting, the brand's exclusive luxury image was actually restored once all the Gucci members were out um, under the new CEO, Domenico Sol and creative di- director, uh, Tom Ford. Oh. So Tom Ford was really pivotal. So that's how he got his come up. Yeah, I think that's, that's how our boy Tom Ford started. So, so this is the Gucci family. So we've got... All of the uncles and Guccio Gucci, who's the grandfather, <laughs> it eventually gets passed on Maurizio. Nobody owns Gucci anymore besides this investment group. So while all this Gucci family chaos and drama is unfolding, mm-hmm. we've got this woman, Patrizia Reggiani. Okay. And so she is born into a small town outside of Milan. Her mom is a waitress and her dad is an, an older man who was in trucking. So apparently her family was, they were rich for that part of the town they were in but they weren't a part of milan's high society at all okay and so her dad basically spoils her with like mink coats and fast cars and so somehow because of i guess because of the things that she had she was able to get into this elite circle in milan Mm -hmm. where she then meets Maurizio again who's the grandson of guccio gucci Mm -hmm. and has you know at one point was controlling the gucci stake um and so patrizia and Maurizio meet at a party, and they fell in love. And so she pettily mentions that... I don't even know if that's a word, pettily. It is now. Well, she's petty as fuck, basically. Let's go with that. She's petty as fuck. She's quite the character. (laughs) And she mentions that his teeth were crossed over one another in the front, but somehow she still found love in the club. Imagine that being like... You know when you... Speaking of clubs, (laughs) was it open air? Uh, He clearly did not have a mask on because she saw that his teeth were crossed. Right. Maybe maybe we need to keep a mask on. It worked out well for... Well... Not for him, but it's so funny because when you talk about the cute, like, you know, you reminisce with your husband or your wife or your spouse or significant other, whatever, and you're like, oh, when I first met you, right? And be like, when I first met you, I just thought you were so beautiful, mm-hmm. right? Or something cute, usually. <laughs> She's going around in interviews. Well, when I first met him, his, I noticed his teeth were crossed. He and I'm like, braces. was that a good thing? Like, were you like, that's mummings? She's petty. Okay. But so. apparently Gucci put up quite the chase. Um, and by Gucci, I mean Maurizio put up quite the uh-huh. chase and basically bought her out against whatever other suitor she literally had at that time. bought her out because this woman is a little materialistic as we'll get into. A gold digger. So they end up getting married in 1972. Um, apparently against the will of Maurizio's dad, Rodolfo, um, he disapproved of her background, her personality. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine she was a pretty strong willed woman and probably didn't want that for his son. Um, apparently she was super flashy. She liked nice things. Uh, people described her as greedy affectionately. Can I just say that at one point in my research, I uncovered that she said, in quotes, I would rather weep in a Rolls Royce than be happy on a bicycle. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, girl, me too. (laughs) I would love to know the setup for that, right? Like, what were you possibly talking about that you're 
Does it matter that you're like happiness Wonderful. or tears and a Rolls Royce? This woman tears is a fucking Royce. saint. Let me tell you. So she was actually known locally as Liz Taylor. I guess she had a stark resemblance to Liz Taylor. And looking back at photos, I could kind of see it. Mm-hmm. Apparently it's one of the things that actually caught Maurizio's eye. He saw her from like across the room, allegedly, and was like, oh my God. That's Liz Taylor. I, I need to have her. Miss <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> okay. Lizzie. Um, but okay, so we're talking about her and her greed. Guccio wasn't much better. As we kind of prefaced at the beginning, he was known for his reckless spending. I, I mean... I just want to say not Guccio. Guccio. No, I, sorry. Maurizio. I know there's so many Gucci's here. There's a lot here. of You're right. here. <laughs> Maurizio, the grandson. There's Aldo, Rodolfo, Maurizio, Guccio. Everybody's got to go. There's just a lot of O's in this family. All right, so Maurizio. Um, so, uh, so Maurizio's not that much better. He's known for his reckless spending, and I think together they were quite the pair, um, and had such a good married life for a while. They were really living the dream. Apparently, they had numerous properties, including a penthouse in the Olympic Tower in New York City, which was really a massive kind of landmark property at the time, because it was this new building, it was super top of the line. I don't really know what state it's in now, but they had a penthouse there, um, and they were known to hang out with Jackie Onassis and the Kennedys. I've heard of them. Apparently, he bought her a yacht to celebrate the birth of their second daughter. Talk about a push present. Telling my wife about this. Husband, I hope you're listening. I want a yacht. <laughs> yeah, that sounds nice. Um, okay, so all living fine, right? And things start to really unravel when Maurizio's dad, Rodolfo, dies, as we talked about at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. So she says he got, Maurizio got pretty crazy. And before then, he would listen to her advice. Mm-hmm. And after his dad's death, he became obsessive about making sure that he runs the company well. And she's saying that she tried to advise him, but he just completely stopped listening to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and he thought the licensing of all the merch and like we talked about was really hurting the business. So he tried to restore the brand's luxurious, exclusive brand. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know if he really knew how to. He ends up, like we said, fighting with all of his family at the same time. Maybe he just had a lot going on. I don't know. Um, But she ends up blaming him and his expensive ideas with no revenue uh, for loss of the family business, right? When he ends up selling out the remaining shares to really cover all of his debt right um to that Bahrainian investment group so my one of my favorite there's a lot of great quotes from her I have to say I don't know if I have a favorite but apparently after he sold the company um she said he shouldn't have done that to me as if that was a personal affront right it was just because he was bitter at her but also okay so my I have questions about how upset or spited she felt because at the same time they're 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 still married they're you know living some like a really luxurious lifestyle and so they end up having two children Mm -hmm. um they have two daughters whose names are allegra and alessandra but then it all kind of seriously comes out of nowhere in 1985 Maurizio files for divorce and so leading up to this filing he allegedly leaves patricia for a much younger woman whose name is paola franci and she's an interior designer and so basically Maurizio lies and says he's going on a, a business trip and then literally never comes back. And so I guess Patricia had a doctor's appointment, you know, getting her health and her wellness on, mm-hmm. self-care. And so she goes to the doctor and the doctor, the family doctor, is the one that tells her that her husband has left her for the mistress. I wonder what kind of doctor's appointment. What? I, I don't even understand how that comes up. Like, how does that come up casually in conversation? I, I don't know. But I could, can you imagine, like, if it's a lady's doctor's appointment? It's like, open your mouth, say, like, uh, yeah. also, did you know Maurizio left you for another woman? Yeah. Oh, no. Oh. Hmm. But, yeah, I was alluding to a different doctor's appointment. Uh, okay. But, yeah, that, that really sucks. Um, <laughs> so he's, he's, with the, he's with the other woman. Um, he's also, again, he's trying to, I think, 
I think he was in a lot of debt and was doing what he could to make money. And so he ends up trying to open some casinos with his mistress in Switzerland. Random. But uh, he's just trying to make money. Um, and apparently they spent their time, a lot of their time, traveling around on his 230-foot yacht. Wow. A cool 230 feet. Good for them. Um, and then they settle into this quaint apartment is what I always imagined because I was reading on all these different, uh, you know, in my research, reading about how they settled into an apartment. They kept, finally, I found this, what this apartment was because I was like, there's no way you go from a 230 foot yacht to a little apartment. To a quaint apartment. It's a 13,000 square foot penthouse apartment. That's how, that's people's houses, multiple houses together. At what point does apartment stop being an apartment when we're now at 13,000 square feet? Also, who describes 13,000 square feet as quaint? Yeah, I was like, no way this guy's going to do quaint, right? Okay, anyway, it takes a while for them to settle their divorce. They ended up settling it in 1991. Um, and I feel like you really loved this. Well, so Go apparently ahead, tell us. during the divorce proceedings, originally he offers her $650,000 per year in alimony. And so this was disgusting to her. Truly deplorable offer. She calls it a plate of lentils. <laughs> and she said that anything shy of $1 million per year was just not going to do. Imagine calling $650,000 a year a plate right. of lentils. I would love $650,000. I would share $650,000 yeah. a year between you and I, mm-hmm. my neighbors, <laughs> my parents. Now you're getting too far. Okay. All right. So we get into the lentils territory Maybe. with you right now. Okay. So we don't really know where she ended up, but it sounds like I think she got, she ended up settling at 650. I don't know. I think so. I mean, he refused to give her the 1 million. So this enrages her. Um, but I think to your point, she ended up getting around the 650,000 a year. Poor and thing. Eating cans of beans every day, apparently. Um, Poverty. Okay. So in 1992, she's actually diagnosed with a brain tumor. Um, but important to note, it was removed successfully. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to let that simmer for okay. a little bit. Um, she's pissed off because he didn't help her with her brain tumor. Um, and she was worried about her daughters because I think she was trying to get more money out of him. She wanted yeah. him to cover like the doctor's bills. Mm-hmm. It's like not his fault that you have a brain tumor, but okay. I think the 650 probably could have covered, you know, if you're not, I don't know, very expensive lentils, but let's spread it out. So um, it became, I guess, word on the street, well known that she was looking for a hitman. Um, asks her cleaner to to help her with this and Such even a random person to ask her clean- she's like cleaning the tub and you're like hey do you want to kill my husband she's probably so <laughs> arrogant and rich that she's like oh the help i'm sure they yeah, would know they contract killers yeah they would do anything for money maybe right. you'll do it um and she even asks her lawyer what would happen if she got rid of Maurizio. well so she ends up being quite successful because in 1995 gucci gets shot and killed outside of his milan office And so because of all this family drama and the court cases and the feuding, police initially think that it's linked to like all of these family feuds or to his new casino because he's not, you know, he's trying to make a name for himself in that space in Switzerland. Um, So because of this, it ends up going unsolved for basically nearly two years until the police are tipped off. um, And they find out that Reggiani or, you know, Patrizia had hired a hitman. Yeah. Um, So I love the way that this kind of... unraveled for her so one of the accomplices we'll get into all the different people that helped her was apparently a hotel porter at this very seedy kind of i imagine it like those dark lit hotels you see in tv shows yeah like you're smoking in the corner in trench coats you know they're they're half their faces veiled in shadows naturally um and it's where patricia's personal psychic and best friend frequently stayed at this hotel um so this porter was 
was um, talking to somebody, bragging to somebody about how he helped set up the murder. And then that person that he was talking to informed the police. So dumb. Well, okay. I truly think Patrizia is a gem. This lady is an icon. So basically the day after she has her husband murdered, Mm -hmm. she sends an eviction notice to the girlfriend, the mistress, and there's, so there's a timestamp on the paper that shows that it had been made at 11 a.m. the day before. On the day of the murder. She, at 11 a.m., finds time to put together an eviction notice <laughs> and sends it to the, to the mistress and moves into the same apartment with her daughters the next day and stays there until she's caught. Like, can you imagine how savage you have to be to, A, hire a hitman and kill your husband, and then the next day be like, hey, mistress, you out, girl. <laughs> you're homeless. Go find somewhere you're, else. You're, like, waiting out. It was, it reminds me of a chapo. It's like, the chapo wife being like we're gonna put on these red velvet matching uh blazers while your your side your side piece is uh testifying in a blue jumpsuit insane and also she happens to tell her friends the day after well she tells her friends and reporters that she basically wanted him dead the whole time Mm. which is why they start calling her the black widow talk about people we'd hate to represent i don't know she might be fun uh okay I think your definition of fun and my <laughs> definition of fun are I also think my wife might kill me so let's not make light of all this I don't think it would be a strange it wouldn't it would be a strange case but it would at least be entertaining okay so let's okay enough of that I'm, on. let's let's get into like quickly how Patricia got caught so we talked about it this porter this hotel porter um ends up talking and boasting about how he took a part in Maurizio's murder mm-hmm. so based on that informant's info police actually set up a sting to catch her the police officer poses um as a person that talks to the porter because i guess word got out the porter was very unhappy because patricia promised him some money for his help in setting up the murder and apparently she didn't pay his bill to him it always falls apart when they don't pay the bill i know and this poor guy is working at a snap you would know that i'm not what i don't need to be more in fear for my life um so he's he starts venting and complaining to anybody who will listen that patricia owes him money for his help in Maurizio's murder um so police catch wind of this and then they pose as a potential hitman to be like oh so do you want me to take care of patricia um and that's how they get him and so in in doing that the porter just bleh word vomit just starts talking about everything that happened snitches get stitches but i mean ultimately he helps him solve the case because shortly thereafter the police arrest Patricia in 1997 um and when they arrest her she happens to be wearing a fur coat of course a floor-length fur coat because if you're going to go out you go out in style <laughs> of course um and quickly kind of start trial around all of this madness yeah the trial goes on for what six months which um, isn't that long no I and it was like a spectacle right, right. I feel like Italy was really enthralled with this story yeah. I mean it sounds like something somebody wrote so Patricia is charged with arranging for Maurizio's murder, and she had four accomplices. You had that personal psychic and BFF um, who admitted that she is the one that contacted the hitman um, directly, but said that she only did it because Patricia told her to do it. Um, and then you have that hotel, hotel porter that we talked about. Right. Um, he was the friend of the psychic um, because she stood at the hotel that he worked at. And the two of them apparently were the ones that contacted the hitman. And then you have the hitman himself, who apparently I think was a pizzeria owner in debt. So I don't know if he was like part-time pizzeria owner, part-time hitman. I don't know what the story there was. but Did he go straight from the murder to the pizza or vice versa? I mean... Could he tell the difference between the sauce and the blood? I do not that's disgusting <laughs> i don't know what to say to that <laughs> um and then you had the getaway driver 
Um, and apparently, this is one of my favorite parts. So during the trial, the police made a spectacle of the hitman and the getaway driver. They would handcuff them every day into court and then put them in this giant cage that was in the middle of the courtroom and just put them into this cage, handcuffed, and then locked the cage door. Like, so just like, like zoo caged animals. <laughs> wow, that's sad. And they just had to stand there the entire court hearing. But Ooh. apparently they were impeccably dressed. So on the other side of things, Patrizia is coming to every hearing and truly head-to-toe Gucci outfits. And so apparently she's here like flossing. This is her this is her appearance at the club. She's back from the pandy, ready to go, and is just head to toe Gucci. And so you know, as evidence against Patrizia and the four accomplices, basically well, specifically Patrizia really, she mm-hmm. had some quite incriminating evidence against her. To start with in her diary, she basically wrote the day before <laughs> I mean, truly, this woman's a gem. Like, she does not day, give a fuck. She gives zero fucks. I think she's in love with Gucci the brand, not Maurizio. She didn't give a fuck about her husband. So shortly before Maurizio is murdered, she writes in her diary, there is no crime that money can't buy. And the day that he gets killed, she writes paradise. <laughs> Which, by the way, she's Italian. She writes paradise in Greek. Well, but she also... and then So, so her rebuttal to that was that she was going to name her greek villa after after paradise and so oh, she was like no was. this is completely normal that's why i wrote it and they're like <laughs> conveniently timed but all right and so on top of the diary entries she apparently used to call and threaten to kill him all the time and she would send tapes truly tapes with threats berating him <laughs> if he didn't answer the phone <laughs> like so he didn't so you give him a call he doesn't answer so you're like let me break out my tape recorder and tell him about himself and right. then i'm gonna take the tape out postage it and then send it over to him at his office that <laughs> like, sounds right it's a lot of effort that sounds right <laughs> like, i think she was a little bitter what do you think girl are you tired that takes a lot of time and effort <laughs> well all she had to do was sit there and get her six 650 a year well, money well, lentils so, i guess well, so half of that 650 it mm-hmm. comes out that she paid the hitman three hundred. Hundred sixty-five thousand for him to kill Patru- uh, to kill Maurizio. So that's the going rate for murder, huh? It, Half I, her alimony. That must have been worth it because she seems pretty greedy. Just one year. Um, and I want to note that during the trial, okay, so you ha- yes, you have all this evidence, but essentially, her best friend and the porter admit their involvement in everything, even the getaway driver, actually. It's only the hitman, which makes sense, and Patricia, who say that they were not involved. Patricia is saying that she was actually set up, but we'll get into that. But it's just funny that, to me, the her basically squad admit to everything. Well, so I think, okay, so whenever we think about murder cases here, right, or, I mean, really, most criminal matters, you have to think about the motive. And so when you take a step back, like, what would the motive have been for Patricia to have her husband killed? And so for for me, at least, one of the early thoughts that comes to my mind is the girlfriend or the mistress. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we can't tell if it's this new girlfriend and the implications that the girlfriend would have on the daughter's inheritance if he marries her. Because, you know, if he marries her, then she's entitled to a stake of the money that he's making and the properties that he has. Or if it's that her allowance, continue, her, you know, If Patricia's allowance and alimony will shrink as a result of his fortune shrinking as Gucci, the brand is not doing well. And as they're selling their stake continuously, like is Patricia's kind of back end going to diminish? And so, I I mean, it doesn't help that apparently the mistress is shown as a gold digger throughout the trial. Um, And she defends, tries to defend herself at least by saying that her previous husband was even richer than Maurizio. So (laughs) how dare she or how dare anyone say that she could ever be in this for money? Maurizio knew how to pick him. Um, Yeah, I I think 
I agree. I think that Patricia was trying to protect herself. She says her daughters, maybe. I don't know how much mm. she could... Lo- she seems like a bit of a narcissistic sociopath, so I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean, I think it came out in trial. Her, The psychic said that, that Patricia was putting a lot of pressure on her to arrange for the hitman mm. to do it before Maurizio could marry Paola, the mistress. Um, so I agree with you. I think that she was trying to protect her stake because right. the second they got married the maybe the alimony would be diminished i don't know um or you know the wife the new wife could spend the money before she could mm-hmm. um and it came out that she would often talk about the fact that she said that another woman was taking her power status and money that she earned i like the word earned that feels very <laughs> like a loose interpretation of the word earned but okay yeah okay so what was her defense at trial she said oh, her lawyer said that she was mentally disturbed um, and they actually used... And she probably was, yes. given the things that yeah. we've uncovered that she said, but... Like you said, they actually took the evidence that you talked about and tried to use it to her favor. Like you right. said, like, no, she is crazy. She's obsessive. Look at the times that she talked about him in his diary, the tapes that she sent him. Yeah, <laughs> fucking, the VHS tapes of her, probably what, in her floor-length fur coat? I will kill you. In her Gucci outfit in front of, like, a fucking Mona Lisa, the Mona Lisa. Right, and I think her daughters, too, try to say that, like, to the press and stuff, and they said, you know, that brain tumor I briefly mentioned they try to say that that took away her critical faculties um in part but then they had the psychiatric panel come and analyze her and they actually said no she's sane enough to to stand trial i mean so i think even more than that another defense that she was using was that her psychic best friend um did this on her own and that the psychic was threatening to frame patrizia kind of for her some of the things that she had done, like the tapes and the diaries and blah, 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 blah. So she was basically forcing, allegedly at least, forcing Patricia to pay this 365000 But then Patricia gives this entire defense, right? She says, <laughs> the psychic did it on her own. She's framing me. It's all an exploitation, blah, 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 blah. And ends it with saying it was worth every penny. Girl, what? On the, on the stand. Girl, do you know how a defense works? On the stand. <laughs> Do you still want to defend her? <laughs> I mean, I, I would literally be crying in tears if I was de- trying point. to defend my client. She's like, it was worth every penny, though. It wasn't me, but it was worth every penny. Can you imagine the coaching beforehand? You're like, Patricia, say, I did not do it. She's like, but I did do it, and I hate that bastard. And it was worth it. You're like, Patricia, no, no, that's not what we talked about. <laughs> yeah. Um. Also, can I note what a terrible psychic? Like, you didn't see that, like, if you helped her. She wasn't great. That this was going to happen to you. Her cards were fucked up. Okay. Somebody get that girl a new stack. I hope yeah, she's not she using needs, that in prison right now. She needs a. She needs a. She's telling everybody they're getting out. Yeah. <laughs> like fifty years later, they're I still there. There goes her business. Well, so unsurprisingly, the verdict is that Patrizia is convicted of arranging the killing of her husband. Oh, um, she continues to, bl- you know, place the blame on her psychic and says that <laughs> says never let even a friendly fox into the chicken coop. Another solid one liner from Patrizia. And so she's also ordered to pay, I think, around 142,000 pounds to the doorman who sadly was shot in the process of the hitman killing Maurizio. Um, but allegedly, he's yet to receive any of said 142,000. so bad for that guy because I don't think it's known that Maurizio, obviously, he died. Uh, but also, the hotel doorman got shot twice in it. And he saw the hitman. He was a, he was a key eyewitness. I mean, he didn't get to identify right. the hitman. Um, but apparently he was so poor that they made him go back to work the next, like so the next up. day. And he said that he was so scared every time he had to open the door, he would just see flashes of like, the hitman. And he's like, and he still has not received that money. Well, okay. So at least to his justice, 
The hitman mm-hmm. got life in prison. Okay. Um, your favorite psychic in the world, who would definitely be calling after this for you, gets 25 years. Mm-hmm. The getaway driver got 29, and I think the hotel porter got 26. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, like Mrs. Chapo herself, um, they have a quite loyal family on the Gucci mm-hmm. side of things. And so the daughters are ride or die. They basically come to every piece of the trial and they're like blowing kisses to their mom and, you know, really trying to put on the show to make it seem like maybe she does have this, you know, kind of mental issue or maybe she's not as guilty as the court thinks she is. Mm -hmm. At least during trial. (laughs) And, uh, even I think one of the, the Paolo, the cousin, um, who tried to do his own Gucci label, uh, his wife would come to the trial too. And, or I don't know if she came, but she would say that she was so surprised that the sentence was so high for Patricia because child killers get less. (sighs) Um, and thought that they would take her brain tumor into account, which I love because the brain tumor was taken I was say, out. Did you say that it was her mood? That is my... It was taken out. She was fine. But I guess we could say that maybe she's saying that the entire situation was traumatic to her mental health because I guess I've never had brain surgery, thank God, but I would imagine that that has to impact other faculties. To cause you to kill your ex-husband? Mm-hmm. Um, that might be a stretch. But <laughs> besides the daughters and the wife, um, none of the rest of the Gucci family comes. Apparently, they were not super mournful of Maurizio um, after him taking their riches, so they didn't seem particularly concerned with justice being brought for his murder. Oh, poor guy. That sucks. So she, like you said, is sentenced to 29 years in prison. Um, the daughters try to do their best to get it overturned. Again, they, they talk about how the brain tumor changed her personality. Although, like we said, early reports, I'm not super convinced that the brain tumor caused her to all of a sudden become very greedy. Um, and the day of the verdict, uh, Gucci stores, I guess, is the nod to Maurizio, hang silver handcuffs in the windows of their stores. High fashion, if I've ever heard of it. <laughs> and then in 2000, an appeals court upholds the conviction, but they reduce it from 29 to 26 years. So big, big chop. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that same year, I guess in 2000, maybe, and I wonder if it's because she's waiting to see if it'll get reduced. She, you know, sadly, for all intents and purposes, you know, tries to commit suicide with a shoelace, but... I guess she found a little bit of hope, found a little sun- of sunshine. She apparently had a f- ended up having a ferret named Bambi mm-hmm. while she was in jail. Um, who, sadly, this is so terrible. I'm sorry for laughing. He had a sad demise when a fellow inmate accidentally sat on him and killed him. Sorry. But she's pissed. There are articles talking about how mad she is that Bambi died in prison. And I feel so bad for that inmate because I'm like, you know that this woman's in here for murder and getting a hitman. So he's probably like her emotional support sleeping with one eye open the entire time that he's in prison. Yeah, I think she had like three uh, prison cell roommates. So I feel bad for the one that. I don't know, sat on the ferret, sat on Bambi. Well, okay. So, I mean, luckily, maybe for for her, maybe less society, in 2011, (laughs) they offer to move Patrizia onto parole on condition that she maintains employment, but she refuses. And she basically says, I've never worked in my life and I'm certainly not going to start now. I'm like, girl, they're offering you a way out of prison and you're too good for a day job? (laughs) No, thank you. Who are you? No, thank you. But so I guess she had a change of heart. So in 2014, she basically starts a uh, work release program and gets out for good behavior. Okay. Good behavior after getting somebody murdered. I just want to note again why she's in jail. Okay, but did she murder anybody else? No, she's not the one that murdered the ferret. So she deserves to get out of jail? All I have to say is justice for the ferret. Wow. Well, so it's worth noting that in the end, she only served 16 years. 
And the day after she's released, she naturally goes on a, sh- a little shopping spree in Milan, um, decked out in her finest jewels, her sunglasses, and a new pet. This time it's Macaw, and it's on her shoulder. <laughs> so you're welcome. You're welcome, uh, world. So apparently she told a newspaper, now that she was available again, as if she was, <laughs> you know... <laughs> So she was in some corporate meetings. She 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 hoped to return to Gucci. She uh, was quoted as saying, "They need me. I still feel like a Gucci. In fact, the most Gucci of them all." And honestly, with this family history, maybe she is. Honestly, right? She's like the last one left standing. So I guess fuck. So uh, unfortunately, that didn't work out. I don't, Gucci did not take her back, shockingly. Um, so she started working as a consultant for this costume jewelry um, company called Bozart as part of her work release program. Well, so while she's working, apparently one day she's walking up to Bozart um, to do her, her job, whatever her job is. And she is bombarded by like this group of press who's basically asking her, you know, why should, why didn't she just shoot him herself? And she says, my eyesight is not so good and I didn't want to miss. words out without laughing because this lady just gives zero fucks like she just continues to drop these one-liners i have to note that the owner of boats are i guess heard it she was close enough to the store and quickly came up and was like she's just joking and then like grabbed her and like ushered her and probably like the head of pr who's like dear god make it stop <laughs> so in 2017 um after some lawsuits, surprisingly, she actually starts getting an annuity of 900,000 pounds a year from the Gucci estate um, due to an agreement she signed in 93, which is insane. Crazy. She also gets back payment for her time in prison and <laughs> apparently ends up with around 16 million pounds. Casual. I mean, you know, as long as this one has a happy ending, right? I mean, well, so we're a legal podcaster, you know, using that term real loosely. On this episode. So the charges here. Long story short, she's charged with premeditated murder, commissioning the murder of her husband, Maurizio. Um, I think let's just stop there. This feels real straightforward. She got somebody murdered. We're just going to move on. Yeah, don't do that. I don't think we need to talk about how illegal it is to have somebody murdered. We're not going to go into the morality of it. Yeah. Even if he leaves you for a younger woman, do not. should not kill people. Do not kill people. No. So, okay, where are things now? So we actually don't really know. Um, She's kind of flying under the radar. Um, Last, I think, that she was really in the press, um, other than some recent comments, which we'll get into, she was working at that that, uh, jewelry company, Bozart, through her work release program, but that ended in in like 2017. Um, But while she was there, I guess she was a consultant, and she was supposed to stay on top of trends Mm -hmm. and and test drive their designs. Um, But I think you felt passionately, like, who would... (laughs) Who was hiring a murderer? (laughs) Like, What? I, I know, and I looked into it because I was like, truly, who would want her, right? And I guess this business hadn't been doing the best. Um, they used to be, like, I guess, you know, top luxury fashion and jewelry, um, but they become a little outdated, so they thought by hiring her it would give them some buzz, and unfortunately it didn't work out. Actually, when they launched their Patricia collection, it it fell on the same day as a Gucci runway fashion show. Nobody had Google. Nobody could have figured this out. And they got no press. Um, wow. It's rumored that Gucci, the company, actually stepped in and told the press not to publish anything. Interesting. I don't know if that's true. And I have to say that apparently they... I think boats are, I don't, I would be very surprised if she still works there. Apparently she, when she went into prison, faxes, fax machines were a thing, but by the time she came out, computers weren't. So I guess a couple days into the job, she actually did something to the computer and it deleted all of Bozart's photo archives of all of their inventory. They probably wanted to fire her, but were worried that she would, 
hire a hitman for them too. So I probably girl's fine. Don't worry about it. We didn't need those pictures. They were all terrible anyways. (laughs) Right. Well, so while she's still working there, at least some journalist manages to find her there. And so I guess they did an interview and they complimented her on her dress. And she legitimately says, it's Zara. I don't even earn enough at this place to buy proper clothes. Girl, what? (laughs) I see prison really humbled her, really changed her, huh? Okay. And so she calls lovingly her stay at prison. She calls her prison time her stay at the Vitore residence. And so she tells him she wishes she was still there. Which is um, the name of the prison, by the way. It, yeah, it's it, yes, the prison Vitore. is called Vitore Residence, but she calls it a stay. Like, oh, you were in jail, you were locked up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's, like she was unavailable. Let's just be accurate. Now that she's available. But she tells him that she wishes someday she was still there because I guess she's now forced to live in a townhouse with her mom who berates her every day. Yeah. Last, I think her mom last, I, I don't know how she was old now, but when she gave that quote, her mom was 89. So I just imagine her being like, get up, Patricia. Um, and then she was also uh, quoted as saying that if she could see Maurizio again, she said, I would tell him that I love him because he's the person who has mattered the most to me in my life. And when asked what she thinks that he'd say in return, she just goes, I think he'd say the feeling wasn't mutual. Well, yeah, you, you, you killed him. So <laughs> I would imagine he might feel that way if he was still here or posthumously. Right. Um, well, so the daughter is now living in Switzerland. Um, shockingly, they don't visit their mom very much. Uh, mm-hmm. Apparently, they want to cut her off financially. But then a court recently decided that she's owed this annuity and she's owed money. Um, I know they apparently appealed this to a Supreme Court um, in December of 2019. So I think we're still waiting to see what happens there. But again, like you said, that she's, you know, she signed this agreement long before the murder. Um, <laughs> nice to know contracts are still good if you murder someone out there in Italy. <laughs> but so, okay, how, why is this all important now? So the reason why we wanted to talk about this, well, we want to talk about this for a lot of reasons, but it, it turns out that Adam Driver and Lady Gaga are actually going to be starring in a movie about the Gucci yep. family. Mm-hmm. So Adam will be playing Maurizio, Lady Gaga will play, will be playing Patricia. So it should be really good. Yeah, I know it's being directed by Ridley Scott, who's you know a fantastic director. And I think at one point he was considering angelina jolie and leo dicaprio um mm-hmm. i personally like lady gaga and adam driver way more i think that they've got they've got like fun style and a good image that i think will translate well to a story like this like i can i can envision them playing these roles right um give them their personalities and their characters but i guess while they were away shooting the movie at some point which i'm sure most people have heard about by now gaga's dogs got stolen um mm-hmm. and her dog walker was shot in this entire situation this poor guy gets shot four times just for them to steal like two or her. Is it two of the yeah the, two the, of the three the bulldogs the two boys, or they I were think they left the girl. Um, Lady Gaga's PR person probably could have done a slightly better job at helping her talk about this because I guess the day after the day that it all happened, she posts on Instagram and she's talking about how sorry she's the dogs got stolen and how she's offering sixty thousand for the dogs to get found and returned to her. And I'm like, bro, bro your friend's in a hospital the, bed. The right dog walker now. almost bled out to death. And I'm sure, okay, listen, I think she's a great person, so I'm sure she paid for the medical bills, but I also just feel like let's just be careful and cognizant of the message we're putting out while your friend is in a hospital bed. And they recovered the dogs. I think the do- the two dogs were like, they someone found them like tied up to a pole yeah. a couple miles away. Yeah. So it's like the dogs were ended up being fine, right. thank goodness. But right. also, I mean, the dog walker is also okay, luckily, but... That's not an easy thing to recover from, I think. The messaging like, wasn't great. Dog walker is not something you would think is a dangerous business where bullets could be flying. You um, know, I don't want to throw any names in the hat and maybe put any 
false allegations out there, but Patricia was not so into the movie. She's not really into this happening. Um, oh, so you're thinking Patricia may have I'm not naming hit up some names. old contacts. I'm not naming names, but she said that she's not into the movie and she apparently was not asked uh, for her opinion. Her thought is that she doesn't want her daughters to have to relive, you know, this mm, crazy sure. situation, which is that she caused unfortunate and fucked up. But as a reminder, you hired the hitman. Mm-hmm. You are the reason why their dad is not here. She still says it was the best friend. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. So if, if we see um, Patrizia running around West Hollywood with black glasses <laughs> and two bulldogs. Watch out. Sorry, Gaga. Watch out, people. Okay. What is some advice we can give people? Um, my thought would be if you're thinking about murdering your husband don't do it unless you're going to come with some really good one-liners like the Black Widow did and make sure that you also throw out his girlfriend the next day because I think that's key. You got to do the eviction notice. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say that if you're on trial for murder, don't say you didn't do it, but then say it was totally worth it. <laughs> it was worth every penny. <laughs> yeah, don't. Let's not. And let's not blame poor eyesight for the reason why you didn't do the murder yourself. I mean... I'm trying to get creative here, but it, this is this is one where it's just very literal. Do not do what Patricia did. Fair. Well, I don't know. I'm super excited to see this movie when it comes out. I think there is so much good content here. Yeah. It's going to be an amazing movie. Check out the stills. It's really cool. I don't know when it's coming out, but stay tuned. Later and this year, I think. But don't forget, we told you first. Yep. So thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Legally Judgy. We hope you enjoyed listening to us talk as much as we love the sound of our own voices. If you did, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Also, feel free to connect with us on our socials at Legally Judgy. Rest in peace, Maurizio and Bambi. Until next time. And Guccio. Bye.